to the podcast. This is Tom Smith. Today is our conclusion of the Christmas story with the Apostle John's Gospel. Who is Jesus? We're going to find out today. He is the Word made flesh. So I've titled today's message, The Word Made Flesh. Amen. The Word Made Flesh. This month, I also want to thank Jennifer Lynn for contributing her talent by singing on our podcast. She has a Christmas album out called Christmas State of Mind. You can type Jennifer Lynn Christmas in Google or YouTube and she'll come up. She has many popular Christmas songs on there, as well as a few unique ones. The album includes Do You Hear What I Hear, Mary Did You Know, And then there's another song about it wasn't his child and many others, of course. So praise the Lord for that. Christmas is the only time, by the way, that we mention her music. So if you're ready for a new Christmas album, you might want to check hers out. I think you'll like it. So Jesus Christ, the word made flesh. So let's open our Bibles that I'm going to read here from John chapter one, the first 14 verses, read them straight through, and then we'll go back and discuss it. So here we go. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh, And dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace 
and truth. Hallelujah. So he starts out, the Apostle John, the evangelist they call him, the gospel writers. So he starts out his nativity story quite a bit different than the others, doesn't he? In the beginning. What does that remind you of? Genesis 1 verse 1, of course. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It's simple. Short, succinct, quick, easy. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That's it. By the way, as a tip for all you evangelists out there, personal evangelism, witnessing, things like that, this is a definition of God. Someone might ask, what's your definition of God? And this is a great verse for that, Genesis 1.1. I met someone who doesn't believe in God, and he said, in order to talk about God, first we need a definition of God. And this is perfect. God was in the beginning. In other words, he existed in the beginning before everything else. And he created the heaven and the earth. In other words, God created everything that you see, even the stars at night. God created them. Amen? So... That's a good starting definition of God. The Bible is so amazing. It amazes me when I read it. Think about these kind of things. It's such a perfect book. You don't have to search very far to find the definition of God. It's right there in the very first verse. It's not complicated. <laughs> Notice, too, there's no proof of God existing. It's just that he exists. That's it. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And that's why, of course, when he appeared to Moses, he just said, I am. Who are you, God? I am. Of course, we can elaborate more on the definition of God by talking about the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and many other things. You read the rest of the Bible to understand all that. But a simple, basic definition was right there in the very first verse of Genesis. And now we've got Brother John here. Starting out his gospel in the same way. So why would John write this in his gospel? Well, Matthew, trying to appeal to his Jewish audience, pointed out Jesus' lineage back to Abraham, the father of the faith, and the lineage of King David, which makes him the rightful heir to be the king of Israel, and, of course, we know the King of kings and Lord of lords. Luke, appealing to his Greco-Roman audience, goes all the way back to Adam to demonstrate Jesus as human, just like all of us. He's not a fictional character like the Greek mythology superheroes and all that. No, he is real. <laughs> By the way, I know a boy who gave up reading science fiction those kind of things, and received perfect eyesight within a short period of time. No more glasses. Sometimes to receive healing, we've got to give something up. So Jesus is a real person. And Luke, writing by the Holy Spirit, shows his lineage all the way back to Adam, just like you and me. 
Matthew goes back to Abraham. Luke goes back to Adam. What does John do? He goes back to the beginning of time. <laughs> In the beginning. Wow. In the beginning. You have to say that with a real deep voice, I think, to sound really cool. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. <laughs> right? Yeah, so. But this isn't Hollywood. This is me, and I'm real. Praise the Lord. So he goes back. Brother John goes back further than we can even fathom or think about. Jesus was in the beginning before the world began, before the heavens began. These gospel writers, by the way, they're not contradictory. They're just coming from different perspectives. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. By the way, the Word was with God, meaning God the Father, and then the Word was God, saying that Jesus is equal with God. Being called the Son of God doesn't make him less divine than the Father or the Holy Spirit. No, Jesus is God. We read Matthew. He quoted the prophet Isaiah that said his name is Emmanuel, meaning God with us. And Luke mentions Gabriel telling Mary he'll be called the Son of the Highest and the Son of God. So John just takes it another step back in time, thousands of years. See the, the Bible as you read it? Matthew comes first, right? We've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Mark, by the way, doesn't really discuss the beginning of Jesus, his nativity. Well, so Matthew starts out and starts out with Abraham. Then Luke takes him back in time. A little further, back to Adam. John says, no, Luke, you didn't go back far enough. We've got to go back thousands of years or billions of years to show his true origin. In verse 29 of the same chapter, John the Baptist sees Jesus coming and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. In Revelation, the same brother John, the apostle, calls him the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. In other words, before the world was created, Jesus knew he would have to give himself as a sacrifice for our sins. So what is the greatest Christmas gift of all time? I'll tell you in one verse, and most of you know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3, 16. That's the, the single greatest Christmas gift of all time. God the Father sending his son to this earth with the intention of him being a sacrifice for our sins. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. That's verse 3. Without him was not anything made that was made. 
Jesus created everything. That's what it's saying. Hebrews 11.3 says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So God the Father said, Let there be light. And Jesus, being the master carpenter, said, Oh, you want some light? Here's some light. <laughs> there you have it. The worlds were framed. They were outlined. They were made. A blueprint was made by the word of God. God spoke and Jesus went out and created it. He built it. Right now, he's making mansions for us, for you and me in heaven. That is, of course, if you're a believer. All things were made by him. So John's gospel starts out with a miniature version of creation because Jesus was fully involved. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus is life. Jesus is light. He's the light of the world. In fact, Jesus was the light of mankind when he was here, and we're the light now. When you have Christ in your heart, you are the light of the world. You are Jesus to the world. You're a living epistle. You're a testimony of him. The world was in darkness without him. And the world's in darkness without you, without me. We need to be the light to the world. Later in the same gospel, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. There are seven I am's in John's gospel. And we'll briefly go through those a little bit later. The seven I am's. So just keep listening, pay attention, and you'll hear that. But I am the resurrection and the life, he said. So we're studying the Christmas story. Who is Jesus? Matthew with the wise men. Jesus is the king of kings. Luke with the angels singing and shepherds rejoicing. Points out that Jesus is the shepherd. He's the pastor. Pastor of people. He cares for his sheep. He loves his sheep. He'll lay his life down for the sheep. And John now is saying, Jesus, he existed in the beginning. He was the master builder. He built everything you see. He's the carpenter. God the Father spoke and Jesus built it. Well, maybe we don't know exactly who spoke the whole Trinity together. The text doesn't say, but it says nothing was created without Jesus Christ. Verse 5 tells us his light shines in darkness. And so does your light, by the way. I've been in a large church in a demonstration one time where the pastor lit a candle. Usually they'll do this maybe like a New Year's Eve service, something like that. And thousands of people in his church. And everybody could see the candle the pastor lit. That's how it works. When you share the good news, people around you see it. When you live a life as a Christian, 
People see your light. They know there's something different about you. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Did you know that you've been sent from God? The prophet Jeremiah tells us God knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. He knew you. He was thinking about you. He had plans for you, good plans. Verse 7, the same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light. We are all called to be a witness. We are his ambassadors on earth. You know what an ambassador is, right? An ambassador is just a representative, and we represent Christ on the earth. I really like that term ambassador because heaven is our real home. We're only on this earth for a short time, maybe 100 years, 120 or so. I mean, I plan on being here at least 100 years. <laughs> Trust and obey, and the Lord will keep you healthy. Amen? So, by the way, the John that he's talking about here is John the Baptist, not himself. John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin, and he was a witness. We are all witnesses. Amen. Hallelujah. So verse 7, that all men and women through him might believe. The Apostle Paul told Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. Even though Timothy was a pastor. So we're all called to be evangelists in some way or another, even if we have some other main ministry, even if we're not specifically called to be evangelists. We have to obey the commandment. Paul told Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. So we all need to share the good news, the gospel. Jesus wants everyone to be saved. Romans says, all who call in the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. Salvation is that easy. Just call on Jesus. A missionary on a, to an Indian tribe in the southwest told how he preached this verse one time. And the town drunk came to the altar and said, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then he went and sat back down. <laughs> the people in the church gathered around him and said he needs to pray more. And he said, Weren't you listening to the man's sermon? He said, all I've got to do is call on him. And I called on him three times. <laughs> you know, why do we make things so complicated? Before his salvation, that man used to come into the church drunk, throw things around, angry. And they would end up calling the police many times. And this happened for, for several years. But after his salvation... He became one of the biggest evangelists in town. The pastor said he brought more people to church than everybody else. It's amazing what God can do with a life simply when we call on him. 
He went from being the town troublemaker to the great evangelist in town. Amen. Hallelujah. So a reminder, Merry Christmas. We're still learning about Jesus. Who is Jesus? Where did he come from? What's the beginning? We've got the story of the manger. We've got the story of the wise men. And now we're learning Jesus existed from the beginning. In the beginning was the word. Verse 10, he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. Isn't that amazing? He made the world and yet he is now living in the world as a newborn babe lying in a manger. The world knew him not. In other words, the world for the most part didn't recognize him as the son of God. We do, of course. Verse 11, he came unto his own. He grew up in Israel. And for the most part, they didn't receive him either, even though they had the law of Moses and the prophets, which testified of him. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the children of God, even to them that believe on his name. When you believe on Jesus, you become a child of God. Amen. You are born of God. You are now part of his family. You are part of the body of Christ. Praise the Lord. And then verse 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus. He is the word made flesh. I'll read the, the rest of this verse and we'll go over that. It's not hard to understand, by the way, after I explain it, you'll see all this, the beginning, the word made flesh, Jesus is the word and all that. I'm going to explain it. I promise you're going to like it. You're going to understand it better, I think, than, than you've ever understood it before. So just pay attention. Here we go. Kind of do an analogy to some other things in John's Gospels, and then you'll easily understand how Jesus is the Word. He's the Word made flesh. And we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus is the Word made flesh, the incarnate Christ. Incarnate simply means God became a man, became human. He became flesh. Carne is that word meat, you know, it's flesh. Jesus became flesh, the incarnate, incarnate Christ. God with us. Then it says, he dwelt among us. So, you know, we're talking about Jesus here because he dwelt among us. We're not talking about the Bible as in pages, words, ink on a page with a leather cover. So to really understand this, let's go back to verse one. And what does it say? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And that's a little confusing, I think. 
unless we look at what I told, mentioned earlier, the seven I am's. Throughout John's gospel, Jesus says, I am such and such seven times, and we'll read those right now. The gospel of John, Jesus makes these seven I am statements. In John 6, he says, I am the bread of life. In John 8, he says, I am the light of the world. In John 10, I am the door of the sheep, and I am the good shepherd. In John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. In John 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And in John 15, he says, I am the vine. When we read these I am's, we need to look at the context to understand what he's talking about. In John 6, he calls himself the bread of life. In other words, our spirit beings get nourishment and strength by hearing his words. His words are like food for our spirit. He is the bread of life. If you see Jesus and meet him, you're not going to just see a piece of bread, a loaf of bread, no. No, you'll see him in appearance as a human because he is. But his words are like food to our spirit. And by the way, he had just fed 5,000 people, which was a proof that he is the bread of life. When he says, I am the light of the world, he demonstrates it by healing a man that was born blind. That's in John chapter 8 and John chapter 9. In other words, listening to him will open up your spiritual eyes to understand the truth. When he says, I am the door, you can't stop there because you won't understand what he's talking about. He goes on to say, he's the door of the sheep. And that the sheep hear his voice and they follow him to safety. He'll show us the way to green pastures and still waters. Like Psalm 23 mentions. But he's the door. See, sheep recognize the voice of the shepherd. So Jesus, when he says, I'm the door, he's the, it's his voice that we recognize and that brings us into the sheepfold. Otherwise, we're like scattered sheep running around, ready for the wolves, lions, and bears to attack us. <laughs> but Jesus, being the good shepherd, wants to take care of us. He's compassionate. He's loving. He is the good shepherd. And he demonstrated that while he was here on this earth. As you read all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see Jesus went about Teaching, preaching, and healing as a good shepherd. He wasn't acting like a ruler or the king, the king of kings that he is now. When he was raised from the dead, then he sat down on the throne in heaven next to God. And we are actually seated with him. The scripture tells us that we are seated with him. But that's a whole nother message. <laughs> but He's the king of kings and lord of lords right now living in heaven. When he was on the earth, he was the pastor. He was the good shepherd. He also said, I am the resurrection and the life. And then he raises Lazarus from the dead to demonstrate this truth. 
He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Heavenly Father except through me. That's a bold statement. A lot of people have their own ideas on how to get to heaven. And Jesus says he's the only way. Without him, you are lost. Once you've received Christ, he is the I am for you. All these I am's. John 15, 5, he says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. What if he just said, I'm the vine? You wouldn't understand what he's talking about. But when he says, I'm the vine, ye are the branches, now we understand. Because we're the branches. We are like the branches. We live off of him. We need to stay hooked up to the vine, Jesus Christ, just to stay alive. If we fall away from Christ, we fall away from life. We fall away from the nourishment to our spirit being that we're so desperate to have. A branch without the vine just simply dies. Once you become a believer, you need to spend time worshiping him, spend time reading his word and and praying every day. Abide with him. That's how he's the vine and you are the branches. So now we understand these I am's and how that works. Now let's go back to John chapter one. In the beginning was the word. Okay, so Jesus existed in the beginning. In the beginning, he was the bread. He's the door. He's the vine. You got to look at the context. So in the beginning was the word. Jesus was the word made flesh. Remember, In Genesis chapter 1, it says God spoke, and then light was created. So in the beginning, God was speaking. Here it says, in the beginning was the Word. It's not that literally He is, Jesus is this Bible. He is the the pages with the ink and the, the leather cover. No. But He is the Word made flesh, which we read in John's Gospel, chapter 1. It's not literally that he is bread, but what his words, the words that he speaks are nourishment and sustenance for your soul and your spirit. Amen. So John chapter one says he, Jesus Christ, is the word made flesh. In other words, the word of God is the blueprint, like the plan of God. And Jesus fulfilled that plan. That's how he's the word, just like he's the vine. It's not too complicated, just a metaphor. It's easy to understand. Jesus is the word made flesh. He is the plan of salvation. He is the plan of redemption for for mankind. Amen. Do you see that? It's not not too complicated once you kind of get into it and understand. Just how does John write? Brother John. I read someone on the Internet that said, oh, Jesus is the word of God. (laughs) But saying things like this just confuses people. You've got to read the context. Read the whole gospel of John. As I pointed out, these seven I am's. Now you can understand Jesus is the word of God. He's the bread of life. He is the resurrection. He's the vine. Jesus is the word. Again, these are all 
metaphors just to explain the plan of God. Jesus is the word. Jesus is the word made flesh. God spoke to the prophets in the Old Testament. And Jesus fulfilled all those prophecies. Those words that God spoke through prophet, through prophecy, through the prophets, Moses and the others, Daniel, Isaiah, King David, they all prophesied about a Messiah coming. But it was written on those pages. It was understood. Okay, he's coming, but he isn't here yet. Now, Brother John is saying, no, Jesus existed from the beginning. He is the word. He is the word made flesh. I hope you all understand this now. I think you should. I don't think it's that complicated. But Jesus is the word of God. <laughs> Jesus is the Bible. <laughs> so, no, you're not going to go to heaven. You're not going to meet, shake hands with the Bible. No, that is not how it works. Jesus is the word made flesh. You've got to say the whole thing. So if someone does say, oh, Jesus is the word of God, you just say the correct answer that, well, Jesus is the word made flesh. And this better explains the meaning. Just like when you say Jesus is the vine, you've got to explain he's the vine. We are the branches. How does it apply to us? How does Jesus being the word apply to us? No, that's simple. Well, when we read his word when we study his word he becomes real to us he becomes a part of us we we realize we better realize our place as the body of christ i heard a preacher talk about meeting some a group of uh theologians one time and they said well we figured out who the holy spirit is or what the holy spirit is and he said oh what and they they said he's the word of god the Holy Spirit is the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is the Bible. And this pastor said, Oh, so that's what happened in Acts chapter 2. It says the Holy Spirit fell on all the disciples. So a big giant Bible fell out of heaven and landed on their heads. <laughs> no, see, you, you've got to... Anyway, it's just funny the way people think sometimes. You've got to read the whole scripture. And you know what else? You have to have the Holy Spirit to really understand the full word of God. I think that's part of the problem is people try to understand the word with their heads and not by the spirit. In John, he also says that the Holy Spirit is called the word, the spirit of truth, and he will teach you all things. So he's going to reveal to you what the word of God means what these sayings mean. Jesus is the word. Jesus is the word made flesh. So that's it for the Christmas story and answering the question, who is Jesus? And I hope you better understand John's narrative there of the nativity, the beginning of Jesus, his origin. Who is Jesus? He is the young child. The wise men came to worship who is Jesus? He's the babe lying in a manger, celebrated by the angels and visited by the shepherds. Who is Jesus? He is the Word made flesh. He was in the beginning with God. He was God. 
He is the great I am. Amen. He is everything you need. If you haven't accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, there's no better time than now. No one knows the days or hour. They might go to glory. It's better to have that assurance right now than to wait for some other time. All you have to do is repeat this simple prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, Please forgive me of my sins. I'm sorry. I repent and I change. Jesus, please come into my heart. I make you my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, you are now born again. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus, the old is gone. You are now a new person on the inside, a new spirit being full of life. Make sure to get plugged into a Bible-believing church. Read the Word of God every day. And God will continue to work miracles in your life. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. Our website is www.tomsmith.us. You can also contact the ministry by writing to Tom Smith Ministries, P.O. Box 300, Agora Hills, California, 91376. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you, we love you, and blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And no